0: We do this podcast for reasons, man!
1: <laughs> oh,
0: are we on? Welcome to the Wages of Cinema! I'm Jack! And I'm Wifely Duty Corey. And we had lots of duties this past weekend. That we did. <laughs> <laughs> God, that sounds dirty. What kind of <laughs> podcast is this? There We're might working be, blue. There might be children listening, or... Uh-huh. You know our mothers
2: <laughs>
0: oh wait <they're>, uh,
2: <laughs> no impressionable children or mothers should mm. listen to this podcast
0: yes and uh our moms can take it though yeah yeah they're 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 pretty nice names they they have they they've used a few words here and there it's pretty much just your mom listening to
2: this but so let's be real my mom doesn't listen to the podcast
0: I was going to say, yeah, she. Pro- I don't know if she would listen even if she had access on her little MP3 player.
2: <laughs> she listened to the one episode where we talked about Now Voyager, but my mom... Oh, that's nice. Doesn't really...
0: Hi do for nice. a minute, Cat- uh, Kathy, if you're listening. Or- All right. But so- your mom is the OG. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we love you, other mother.
0: Aww. All right, but now the movies, though, we're going to talk about today... Um, This idea came about because, well, for one thing, it's the Halloween season. And we thought, hey, you know, what better thing than giving you one podcast with a whole bunch of movies? You might call it... (laughs) Spooktacular Savings! (laughs) Come in and buy all of our wares for... Five cents apiece! Oh, you're my teeth. Not, I was doing a bad, like...
2: Yeah, we're doing a Bonanza episode because even though I liked more of these movies than I disliked, each movie... its not We're not dealing with Citizen Kane, so like... No one of these movies on uh, well, its own could sustain a podcast. Well, I was going
0: to say, here's the deal, though. I knew about what these movies are. And for the, if you haven't looked at the title yet, and, you know, who knows out there who might have just decided to start playing our episode without looking at the name of the episode, um, we're talking about six movies. Well, actually, we'll Corey will have a seventh movie, uh, kind of a bonus one uh, in the Hulu Into the Dark movie. Series from Blumhouse, the the studio that brought you, you know, as the ads say, from the makers of The Purge, Get Out, Paranormal Activity, or they might say The Purge, Paranormal Activity, Happy Death Day. <laughs> they and don't o- tell you, and only those movies. <laughs> they don't tell you about like, God, like, have they? What was like? What was like their worst movie?
2: Fantasy Island. That was a Blumhouse movie, right? Oh, my
0: well, no, you, the Blumhouse's Fantasy Island. Yeah. That was pretty bad. I feel like they probably... Well, no, did they
2: produce Unfriended? Oh, I don't know. It's a good question. Unfriended uh, is even worse than Fantasy Island. If they were
0: behind in any way Unfriended, like, they deserve the Geneva Conventions. They, they deserve some bad hell for that movie. <laughs> um, no, the, the reason that... Um, yeah, yeah, he was a producer.
2: Okay, so Unfriended is definitely their worst.
0: <sighs> but anyway... Um, the Red Letter Media guys, like, months back, they actually, like, one of the guys on there stumbled across this on Hulu, and they decided to just pick three movies. Now, they talked about three movies that we did not talk about. If you want, you can go and check out their video, which is, you know, very entertaining stuff. But, um... The the kind of reputation that they gave this is that they are, again, they're made for, they were made for Hulu. Like, these weren't independently made projects that somebody had, like, a passion to tell. And then Blumhouse was like, oh, hey, we'll, we'll pick up your, you know, little indie darling and everybody will get see on Hulu. No, these are kind of like couched away on hulu like i'm not even sure these are like advertised on like their main part of the site
2: i've i've gotten a recommendation for one of the for two of the movies on the algorithm so they were recommending them to me
0: (laughs) and the thing is too you could almost say like this is even though these are feature-length films and again they're all at least like an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes each. Sometimes they go a little over an hour and a half, but generally that's their ballpark range. This is, like, under IMDb, this is categorized as a TV series. And yeah. each movie is an episode. Now,
2: we should say what the theme is supposed to be, even though none of the is movies... Is the theme? Well... That's what I'm about to get. To. <laughs> All right. So in theory, each of these movies is supposed to be connected to a holiday. However, none of the movies we watched. We watched six of them for this no,
1: podcast. No,
0: one of them. One of them was for sure. Um, like no, no, you're, you're wrong. You're. It's. Should I even spoil it? The num- the movie that you picked as your number one is absolutely connected
2: okay. to a holiday. The holiday connection is tenuous though. Okay. We that... did not watch any of the movies that actually really dig into the holiday theme,
0: supposedly. Yeah, no, there I know there is um there's one, for example, called Pooka, And we'll get into like we actually one of the movies that we watched. Again, we're going to go in order of what we watch them, but just to mention briefly, like, the ori- like we watched the sequel. The original Puka is, like, a Christmas-themed one, and I think maybe one of the other ones is also Christmas-themed.
2: A nasty piece of work, which is one of the ones Red Letter Media watched.
0: Yeah, but no, yes, oh, no, 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 you know what? One of the other ones, actually, well, and also the worst one, which we will we'll, again we'll get to that also did have a holiday. You just don't remember it.
2: Well, it was briefly, but I would say we watched six. There are twenty-two total into the dark movies. We watched six of them together. Plus, I watched one on video chat with a friend of mine at the beginning of the COVID quarantine. So mm-hmm. I've seen seven of them.
0: Now, what I would say though to just you know the the average Philip uh, or. Mary Lou on the street. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a key, clever, more clever title than just like Joe or Mary or something like that. I can't with Mary Lou and I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> um, if, I, if they were asking what's into the dark, like in the most general sense, I'd say think, take a little black mirror and take, I guess you could say, like adult goosebumps. Yeah, but a lot of times it's dumber and gorier and uh, kind of what you expect from the Blumhouse brand. And again, if you've seen those kind of movies like Happy Death Day, or or even to an extent Get Out, um, or uh, or even uh, Unfriended, it's like a lot of these movies have some type of hook, and I think that's really what all these movies have, they have some type of way to like hook you in with some type of social message or even like, if it's like a rip off of another movie, like happy death day was. There's
2: some type of concept gimmick. None of the movies are as basic as like a Friday the 13th mm-hmm. slasher.
0: Yeah. Like the common theme to all this is someone had to pitch this either directly to Jason Blum or, I'm guessing one of his lackeys. (laughs) And they had to go like, cool,
2: man, go write it. There was a log line attached to each one of these films.
0: Yes. And of course, when he said write it and the writer responded, well, like, how much am I getting paid? They're like, here's a Clark bar. Go away. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the other thing. These things are, uh, they're made for like couch change.
2: Yes, they are very cheaply made. To me, it's apparent to me most clearly in with one or two exceptions, the lack of recognizable actors. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions to this, but generally, it's not star-studded casts. Yeah, and there's a, almost a complete absence of like expensive effects.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and some then sometimes, again, sometimes clever filmmakers can get around that or use that even to their advantage. Other times, it's very apparent, and I wish that they had maybe thrown just, you know, throw, like, five grand into some, you know, makeup. You know, sell your Coupe de Ville or whatever, and get, like... I don't know if people still drive Coupe what de Villes.
2: Coupe de Ville?
0: It's a car of some kind. I'm sure, like one of the seventy plus age listeners that we don't have will tell us. <laughs> it is a car, I know. It just popped in my all right. So alright, so before we get into going into the chronological order of um of the movies, um Oh, hold on. I almost accidentally opened up my YouTube. No, go away, YouTube. Do you Um, want me to talk about the one I watched without you? Yes, and now my phone is playing. Get away. Um, Yeah, I want... Yeah, so the one you watched weeks ago without me because I was, I don't know, doing something, and you have a thing with your friend where you watch uh, movies and TV shows over um, Google Chat, Because of the times we're in, then we can't be watching things with our friends anymore in person.
2: Yeah. So, one of my closest friends, um, I don't see her anymore, Mm -hmm. and I haven't seen her, really, in months because of COVID. So, instead of seeing her every few weeks, what we do instead is we video chat together, and we watch things together, Mm -hmm. and... Early in quarantine, we chose to watch the Into the Dark movie called Pure. And this was a movie that was actually recommended to me by the Hulu algorithm. Mm-hmm. So the algorithm thought I would like it, and the plot summary was very appealing to me. Hmm. The basic premise of this movie of involves... Pure. Yeah, of Pure, involves this girl who gets in touch with her biological father. So she's had no contact with her biological father all her life. She's now a teenager. Her mother has died. Her biological father is an evangelical Christian nutbag who takes her to like a purity ball festival where all the girls listen to these sermons about the importance of maintaining their maidenhoods. And... All this gross evangelical speak.
0: Was there another guy off in the corner talking about why he would deny them his essence?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm not I'm not gonna spoil the movie. But let's just say at some point some of the girls at this purity retreat summon a spirit. Who has yeah. no tolerance well, for patriarchal nonsense? Well,
0: I was going to say, well, in the le- in, I'm looking at le- on Letterboxd at the premise, and it says the terrifying question becomes: what is more dangerous, the demon they've unleashed, or the pressure of their controlling fathers? And <laughs> so it seems like a movie that is really about dads.
2: Yeah, and it's de- and it's definitely one of those girl power topple the patriarchy type films, and. My brief review of this, I don't want to talk about it too much because you haven't seen it so you yeah, can't have but, a dialogue about it. But
0: I'd, but love, to, I'd love to hear your thoughts. My, I'd love to crawl in your brain and talk about Puritan.
2: <laughs> my brief thoughts are... I love the premise of this idea. Like, I love the concept. The movie had a strong ending. Like, the, con- the actual ending was pretty satisfying. Uh-huh. And... If I I was pretty happy with all the major beats of the plot, but here's the big issue, and here's why I do not recommend this movie, and why it will be pretty low on my ranking when we rank the movies. Too much of the movie is just tame and boring. Mm. I think the issue is it's a very, it's actually a very slow, low key tame movie. And the ending is pretty wild. Like, the last 20 minutes of this movie are pretty great. But it's just not worth sitting through um, two-thirds of it to get there. So my problem with this movie is I actually found it tasteful. (laughs) Which is not what I'm looking for out of this series. And I felt like the movie was actually trying to tell like a real grounded story of teen angst hmm. but the problem is it failed in that regard mm-hmm. but it was also not like a fun campy horror movie until the end so my my very short review of this movie is excellent premise every major plot point is fine the ending is excellent. Like, the ending is satisfying. But ultimately, I do not recommend this movie because a lot of it's just too low-key and boring and dull. And it's very... You know, when I said to Ashley and my friend... um, I hope she doesn't mind. I've mentioned her by name. Hello. Um, What I said to her, and she agreed, is that the movie played too much like... A TV movie for 13-year-olds.
0: Ah, and, and like, a, a TV movie that maybe they could all watch as sleepover.
2: Yeah, like, if I, I, I say maybe if I was 13, I would have liked the movie even, I would have liked the movie more, but no, I should be maybe, polit- maybe you needed better actors? That too, like, I think there was a certain flatness to a lot of the movie. Okay, yeah, that, that I think
0: is usually a problem, yeah.
2: And one, the lead actress in the movie was actually is on the show Nosferatu, a show I also abandoned after three episodes, not because of her though. And I guess she was okay, but it's just there wasn't enough there there for me. Um, I didn't find the interpersonal dynamics between the girls at the camp that interesting. Mm. Um, my problem was the movie. It's just it's not enough of anything until the end. It's not deep. It's not like deep and rich and dramatically satisfying enough to, cause you know, I can watch a movie that has a kind of like sober muted tone to it. Yeah. If it actually delivers the goods dramatically, this did not. So I didn't find the relationships between the various girls at the camp that interesting. So it didn't really deliver the goods dramatically. And it didn't deliver as a campy horror film Mm -hmm. either. So it's not awful. But I would give it kind of a gentle thumbs down.
0: Aww.
2: Yeah, it's not like. It's not terrible. You're not going to be angry that you watched it. Okay. But it's not great. That's actually.
0: For, again, this series, that's that's fair. I mean, again, this series doesn't have, like... I'll just say right now, we don't have a get-out in this group. We don't even have, like, an Invisible Man, unfortunately. Uh, but we are going to talk about some movies that we did enjoy for various reasons. And eventually, for some very, like... uh um, guilty pleasure reasons like you better like guilty and like so guilty you better watch that person or they might get Jeffrey Epstein
1: what? I don't even
2: understand that
0: I don't know he just seems like a, he was like a very guilty guy I don't, actually I don't even think the suicide part of that works Wait. I don't understand
2: anything you're saying at all
0: you understand the guilty pleasure idea? All right, never mind. I'm sorry. All right, I was trying to make a, a clever joke. Told <laughs> <laughs> me off the stage. Boo me at the Apollo. It's I over. never boo you. All right. So we're now going to talk about the movies we watch together, which are all the other ones. Yeah. So we start, we're going to go again in the order we watch them, because I think that would be best. And then... At the end, we'll give our brief ranking of of them yeah. all, and I think we'll, as we go along, you'll get a sense of, you know, where obviously for a couple of them, especially, you'll get a sense of that. But um, the first movie we watched was called School Spirit.
2: The and- algorithm also recommended this one to me. The two movies recommended me recommended to me by the algorithm were School Spirit and Pure. Interesting.
0: I wonder why those two. Maybe because, like, they were aiming for, like, adolescent audiences?
2: Maybe. I mean, those were two of the movies that appealed to me both both in terms of the surprises. I, I think at some point
0: I did, when I vlogged onto Hulu, I think I saw something about Puka. I think that was the one that they were maybe aiming to make their, like, flagship
2: character for this series, I guess. It's um, interesting, because why I do watch a fair number of horror movies, I don't watch a lot of them on Hulu, so... No, yeah,
0: well, it's... it's I don't know, they, they kind of get some, but not others, you know, because it's hard to compete in some ways with Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime.
2: Amazon Prime is...
0: That's where you go for the horror Oh, movies. yeah, yeah. In fact, that's probably, like... I might, we you know, I might even do a whole episode this year just about, like, about my year of Amazon Prime, because that, I think, was what kind of replaced um, this movie-going for me this year. Yeah. Because, I, you know, the theater-going experience kind of became... In shambles but prime i think filled a much needed you know hole in my life in a lot of ways right, so but anyway tell school spirit though a little bit
2: about school spirit so
0: school spirit concern is based in the most boilerplate way to describe it and the movie does this too it's the breakfast club but with a uh, a mascot that comes to life and starts killing its people yeah. Or or me or is it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> now
2: the reason this appealed to me is, I I mourn the demise of the slasher film. In all the horror like subgenres, the slasher is my favorite type. Um, if you ask me, I horror films are one of my favorite genres, if not my favorite genre of film. If you ask me, like what's your favorite subgenre? I just love slashers and I'm sure you've noticed they don't really make slashers anymore. They're kind of out of fashion. Well, it's, I think
0: the problem is though, at, they were really at their height when you had filmmakers who were dealing with the idea of now we're in the suburbs. We, you know, someone out here is still going to get you, you know, that was really the running theme. I mean, you had exceptions, obviously like, you know, like Candyman, of course, is one such thing, or, um, or you know, sometimes you'd get like a slasher, maybe he's in a more of a rural setting, but that was more the idea. It was feeding, you know, even something like Poltergeist, which isn't technically a slasher, that kind of falls under that too, is which is suburban angst manifesting into guys going to kill you, you know, better watch out, or maybe monster will kill you, or you know, whatever. Um, but now, though, I think maybe the suburbs aren't as scary as they used to be. Well, maybe now people are moving back in the cities. I
2: I also think that there was probably a glut in the market where there were so many slasher films for so long that people just got tired of them. I mean, I understand it. Although, we're at the, well, it's also, it became,
0: you got meta with it, and then the meta became meta. It's like, you had Scream, and then you've had all the sequels to Scream, then you had Scary Movie, and all the sequels to that. It's like, you have to keep reinventing the wheel over and over again, and how many times are they going to remake Halloween, or yeah. you know Friday the 13th, or all these other movies, or even, or even, like... My Bloody Valentine yeah. or something. And it,
2: I understand how can you make a slasher in a world where Cabin in the Woods exists?
0: Yes. I yeah. get it. it, it kind of, that movie kind of put... That kind of it put a the end to... Like, the definitive end to it. It's, it kind of... It, that was like the Irish wake of slasher movies. <laughs> but, hey, but school spirit, though, is kind of fun, though. Like, again, it's Breakfast Club. You got five kids who are in Saturday detention... The vice principal, who in this case uh, played by a very funny character actor Hugo Armstrong, he's been in a few things. He's in that Roman J. Israel Esquire movie. I don't remember him at all. Lucky, he probably. I don't think he had a very big role in it, um, or he maybe he did. Uh, actually, he was like sixth or seventh build. So um, he he's like a drunk who initially gives all the students like the assignment, like they have to scrape all of the gum from the bottom of the de- <laughs> their desks. But then like, he's just sitting there at his desk. You could see him like twitching. And then he's like, I have to go catch up on some emails. <laughs> and, and one of the other students tells the other one, yeah, you know, he, he's going there to drink. He's an alcoholic. And then they show him doing that, which lets him get away from the plot for a while. And like the Breakfast Club, it's down to even the same types and tropes. You have angry douchebag like Jug Nelson. You have the shy kind of nerdy guy. You have, um, you know, bad girl, good girl. Uh, They kind of a jock in there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you only have all five of those types. And then there's, but now there's also this sort of myth around the school mascot, you know, School spirit, and did someone get killed? Oh, and there's uh, well, there's also the popular girl. Well, I don't know if I mentioned that too, and so there are. But you get time with the students, and there's also like two actors here who are especially good. One is Corey Fogelmanis. He's the he's the kind of nice guy who seems very you know very nice and sweet. You know, spoiler. Always watch out for. The- Nice guys. <laughs> and um in Annie Q, uh, who's in Alex Strange Love? I'm sorry, I'm I don't not know that, that as a question. I think that was like a movie made for Netflix um and a few other things. Uh, she's Erica, who's kind of like the one who seems a little mysterious, like, why are you here today? She's the final girl. Yeah. She's the lead. She's the final girl. Yeah, she she's the final girl. Um and so this movie um again it, it it's fun in a slasher kind of way. I mean, it, it, again, the thing that helps rise above it is those three actors are really giving extraordinary perf- level performances. Like they rise like help rise the material up with them cuz they are really up- elevating these characters and giving them some Depth and they actually, I think, feel like have good screen presence and connect well. And it's not like the other actors are, well, the other actors are all kind of okay. Yeah, they're passable. Yeah, they're, they're, they're stock, more stock, like, especially the guy who plays the, I don't even remember his name now, the guy who was the angry kid, the jerk, the yeah. one who you're desperate to see bite it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that happened. Like, you're waiting for him to bite at most. Um, one thing that's cool about this is, again, they're in a school, and you want to see, are they going to use the potential of them being in a school? And the very first kill that happens, I think, utilized that in a, in a great way. And it was very bloody. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, so well, I should say the first kill of our primary cast, because the movie actually opens with two kills.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 I should say after that. Yeah, because that scene's fine. You know, that helps set the stage. I'm talking about the first kill of our not-breakfast club.
2: Yeah, you're right. That was an excellent utilization of old, like, school non-technology.
0: Yeah, like, using that, like, school room equipment (laughs) in a certain (laughs) particular way. Um, It's, again, it's not, like... There have been, you know, you could throw a dart into a a horror movie wall and pick and find, like, a horror movie that's set in a high school. But, you know, again, this is done with enough cleverness overall. The one issue that I have is, like, it does take a little while after that initial kill I was just talking about. Like, I was hoping it would be a little bit steadier, and I think you made the point when we were watching it that could have used a little bit more of like a cat and mouse element. Yeah,
2: my my one like big critique of this movie is I think a good slasher movie offers you a lot of chases mm-hmm. and a lot of like cat and mouse and hiding from the killer and close calls with the killer. So to use an example from like Halloween, Michael Myers spends a lot of time chasing people around the house. Well, it's also awesome. well. He does it, well. It's more well. It's very stalkery.
0: Like he, t- it's a very kind of. It's more of a slow burn ch- cat and mouse chase until like near the end.
2: So my but, yeah. one critique of this film is the slasher kills people very quickly. Like there's not until the fu- until the very end. Yeah. There's not mo- there's not a lot of stalking and chasing and toying with the victims. Like the actual kills themselves are good, but I miss that idea of, you know, seeing the prolonged fear of a cat and mouse chase. And I also like, I kind of like in a slasher movie where you get some close but no cigar kills, Mm -hmm. where the slasher attacks someone but they survive and get away, and then the slashers to come back again, and it takes yeah. multiple attempts to kill them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So... now but again, now we should say, though, when you do get the kills, they're, they're sufficiently bloody, and the effects are actually pretty good. Yes. Like, they, I feel like whatever money they had for this—again, they just found a school, the, you know, they cast whoever they cast— but they did put a little bit of money into some of the gore effects and also into some good makeup in like the final, like the climax, which is like also a really oh, the great time. The
2: climax of this movie is awesome. And even the villain monologue is like
1: mwah,
0: beautiful. Oh, yeah. And it goes on for probably way too long, but I don't care. And you know, again, so slight spoiler. Hopefully, you just go and watch this. And
2: spoilers for all these movies. Like anyone cares? No, <laughs> one, no one's watching these movies anyway. They mention that in Red Mudder Media. No one watches these
0: movies. Well, the phrase they use. This is the. Uh, the this is the food. This is like the the refilled bad buffet food of of movies. Um, no, yeah, the 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 the, the kid that the one you think is the nice nerdy guy. He's been doing all the killings. He's the slasher all along. <laughs> yeah, which I think you weren't, You when I told you that was where I thought it was going, you're like, what? No way. He's too small. But no, he. he I thought, like, no, that's where, because he's gone for, like, significant well, chunks of the movie.
2: It's predictable, but it is a little silly, because I would bet you money they had a different actor playing oh of course they did of course they did yeah they got like
0: kane hodder jr or whoever it is (laughs) to play
2: because the real slasher in this movie he's he's a little guy he's short and skinny and the slasher is not short and thin in the beginning of the film so i would say i would say actually
0: one thing i will say is another criticism not that like a climactic scene but I kind of thought like this: the end, the other end part. Right after that, it was almost kind of like a satirical jab at like, you know, like what happens to that girl Erica. Uh, I don't know if that entirely worked for me.
2: I liked it, even though it's pretty shallow. But the movie ends with this idea that well, the well, final girl is kind of terrible, and she's cynically manipulating the event. To help her get into college. Oh,
0: no, that, I mean, I kind of get that, but I don't know. I need that in the movie, though. Like, the movie I thought should have ended with Mm. her offing the nice guy. Yeah. Because I think that would have ended it in a satisfying way for me instead of trying to go an extra step with their statement. Because I feel like they already had done that before about, you know, I'm the only one at the school going to Harvard and blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, you cheated oh my god, you blew my mind with this idea. People who go to Harvard cheated on tests. <laughs> Jeez! You better call, like, Ralph Nader, man.
2: So I would say, before we move on to the next film, my kind of bullet point review of this movie, it's a, it's a very basic slasher, so if you're not predisposed to like this genre, this movie's not going to convert you. No. There's... Too much, I think there's too much banter between the teens in the library, not enough stalking and cat and mouse in the kills. That being said, on the whole, I like this movie. If you're predisposed to like um brain dead horror movies like I am, this will satisfy you. I give it a thumbs up. Mm. I would give it a shot no, no. Like probably, like, three out of five stars.
0: Yeah, I, I mildly recommend it. Again, if you're in the mood for, you know, something dumb and gory, like, this is pretty good dumb. It's not, like, blowing your mind or anything. But, it, again, the performances are really, from, from a few of those actors, is good. Especially, again, that the vice principal. And <laughs> that guy, Corey Fogelmanis, I hope he can get some good roles, you yeah. know, after this, too. All right, let's move on
2: to our next film.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, one last thing. The, the message of that movie: Watch out for nice guys. Trouble. <laughs> yeah. The next movie, oh. which was the one that you like, said that you you. The thing was you, part of two. Your interest in this, you told me, was um this article from uh, Vulture, which ranked the all the movies.
2: Vulture ranked. All the Into the Dark movies, and this was the movie they had ranked at number one, and they said this is a great film. And when I Googled this film They used the word great. Yes, they literally used the word great.
0: Um and also Did if, they did they also like Antichrist?
2: <laughs> this I think is the highest ranked into the dark movie on Letterboxd. If you Google this movie, virtually everyone argues this is by far the best one. And you know me. I'm not a knee-jerk contrarian. I'm not Armin White. I don't hot take for the sake of it. But it boggles my mind that this movie has good reviews. Because the next movie we're going to talk about, I thought was awful. And was by far the worst
0: of all the movies we've Yeah, watched. this one was pretty bad. This is an example of when a movie is trying to portray a, you know... A very heated, very controversial, um, and yet potentially, you know, quite captivating for for a horror movie kind of topic, and yet it totally drops the ball on on so many different levels, and uh, it's it's a kind of a shame too because this is one of the ones that was uh, it was directed by a woman um, who I've not seen any of her other work. Uh, she I guess did a short for ABC's of Death.
2: Two and a half. What? Well, the movie is um, called Culture Shock, and the holiday tie-in is Independence Day.
0: Yes. Uh, so, what we're following is the story of this uh, uh, woman named uh, Marisol, who is uh, very pregnant and with a shame baby, and she wants to immigrate from Mexico to America, and of yeah. course, do it the way of you know going into you know, back of a truck with a bunch of other desperate hopefuls and try to get over the border and, you know, in the cover of night. And the... and the, But then she and other the other ones uh, get caught and uh, they suddenly wake up in a candy-coated nightmare. And yeah. that's for the audience, too!
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I... I appreciate. Um, I appreciate what this movie was trying to do in theory, in concept. I align with it. I think it's. You know, chances are, like, if I met this woman, I would agree with her politics. But well,
0: I don't know. I don't really know much about the. Well, you mean the director? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought that the character.
2: And because. I'm all about deconstruction of the American dream movies. That's another kind of personal Mm -hmm. thing for me. But this movie, it's just terrible. It's terrible in different ways. Well,
0: well, well, part of the thing, too, is you would think, okay, so this is a Blumhouse production dealing with the illegal immigration issue. Okay. You know, that is certainly... Something that is already a horror movie that we've seen unraveling for the past few years. Yeah. And, you know, what we've seen with ice and, you know, literal children in cages.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, that has been something that, you know, I mean, 2018 was a horror movie on the news, literally. And no one could do anything to stop it.
1: yeah, um, so...
0: and but so you have it right there. And yet, what this movie does isn't they're not making it really about ice. It's more about like the the horror of like a private prison experimental, like matrixy type of concept?
2: Oh yeah. So to talk about why all the reasons why this movie' very bad,
0: the first, but that's, but that's just one reason. That's why I wanted to bring up that initially. You didn't make it about the border agents, yeah. Sorry,
2: um, as social commentary, this doesn't work like at all. No, if anything, as dystopian as this movie thinks it is, if anything, what our country is actually doing is worse. So, when you're dystopian satire isn't actually worse than what our country is actually doing. Mm -hmm. This is a problem. But anyway. Yeah, please. This movie is split into, like, very distinct chunks, which are each bad in a different way.
0: Yeah, they're kind of in... I would say this movie's in thirds. And, yeah, they're bad in different ways, but they're all part of the same shit sack. (laughs) (laughs) They're They're all different ingredients in the Spinal Tap shit sandwich. <laughs> uh, like, because the first half hour of this movie, again, you're following Marisol and how, you know, she's she's trying to escape, like, an abusive boyfriend or, or, or lover or something like that. And then she's, like, you see her interacting with the other people who are also trying to cross the border, and it's, like, an older guy and, like, this kid and all these other people. And it's, it's like, shot in the... Most boring, predictable way. It's like, okay, we're going to make it very gray and dirty and the kind of handheld where you just notice enough that it's handheld shots. And
2: everything is drab and generic and predictable. And none of the characters have personalities. No. They're all such stock characters. They're all such stock characters.
0: And even Marisol is a stock character ultimately.
2: I mean, she has no personality outside of her suffering. Like, in the first half hour of the movie, she's going to cross the border. She trusts a man to bring her over the border. Yeah. He betrays, rapes, and impregnates her. So she goes back home, where she suffers in the most stoic, gray, boring-for-an-audience way possible. Yeah. Then she tries to go back, and it's... And then we see her travel with characters out of central casting. Yeah,
0: again, like I said, this kid and this older guy and, like, the other people in this group, like, look, you know, and it's not even, like, I know that they're speaking other language, but I could tell, like, the acting is also just very, like, you know, it's not <laughs> like I'm so offended by your bad acting, but you're just... There's nothing for me to connect I've with I've always here. said...
2: The greatest sin of a film is to be boring. There is nothing worse than boring. Yeah, it's well, it's boring, but it's just it's also predictable
0: because you know, seeing this group, okay, they are going to get caught at the border. Like, look, just make the first five minutes of your movie this group trying to cross the border. Like this movie, you know this. This movie could have been like that scene in um, the opening of Men in Black. Do you remember the opening of Men yeah. in Black? No, that's where like you're seeing what you what, like a group like, like a van full of immigrants and they get stopped by authorities and all of a sudden there's Charlie Jones the you know unmask's an alien and stuff unfolds from there. That's how you do that. And then maybe could have made the movie somewhat about that, but no, it's like they capture all. They, they suddenly you see Marisol is about to get something happen at the border. And then this part of the movie ends.
2: Yeah. No. Maybe. I, yeah. I'm sorry. Cut you off. No. 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 You are go Um. If if this was five minutes and not 35 minutes, I might have. It might have saved the rest of the movie because mm-hmm. the problem is this prologue, which is just like watching paint dry. Since it takes up a whole third of the movie, the rest of the movie is totally half-baked and half-assed, and it's world-building. Yeah. Then we get into part two, where she's in the simulation. And first off, you, the audience, know she's in a simulation from, like, minute one. The fake version of America that she's in is never remotely plausible. So you, the audience member, are never tricked into thinking she's actually made it. Yeah, you know what you
0: do? You shoot the movie all the same way. Maybe then you would actually trick the audience. And you don't make the Mexico scenes look like, you know, discount not as good children of men. (laughs)
1: Like, you
0: actually just make it look like more of a normal movie. And then when she wakes up, it still looks like a normal movie. You don't make it... Look like Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I mean, I don't know (laughs) if that's a good comparison. Well, the thing too about this movie—it's funny because the movie we're going to talk about after this—I think both these movies are more more, probably the most Black Mirror of the series. Mm -hmm. And and the funny thing for me is that this is this movie was really bad. And yet, the movie after this, I thought was really good. It might actually be—it's probably my, it's my probably my favorite of the movies we're going to talk about. But it shows the kind of quality range too that you sometimes get with Black Mirror too. This is like trying to make some type of statement as well about not not even about immigration so much, but like the danger, also the terror of this technology. Because what happens is you find like very pretty quickly. Marisol, but also all the other immigrants are in this makeshift rink a dink matrix type of scenario of situation where they're all under sedation and hooked up to these nasty, like metal glasses and these tubes that are feeding into this one simulacra where they're all looking at the same you know, demented vision of, of independence day. That's repeating day after day. And yet it's so stupid because why not give them each their own simulacra, like give their own simulation instead, right away. Marisol sees the other people from his group. This is where clearly this director decided, well, it came to the, in the pitch meeting, like what if immigration, but more like get out. Yeah. Like, I swear, I d- guarantee you, that was her log line.
2: Oh, yeah. This movie it, this movie wishes it was Get Out so badly, you don't even know. It but ha- this movie is not fit to, like, lick the shoes of Get Out. Can you imagine if, like,
0: the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes of Get Out looked like the first half hour of this movie? And then, be like, as soon as they get to the family's house looked like pushing daisies. <laughs> like, it wouldn't, it would have, like, been laughed out of the theater. You know why? Because Jordan Peele thought, all right, I'm going to have the same look through this whole movie. Maybe I'll have a little handheld here and there and make the sunken place look really distinctive.
2: Well, the world building of, like, the sci-fi in this movie is terrible. Well, yeah. super half-baked, as you mentioned, and as I mentioned when we were watching it. Yeah, you don't put all the immigrants together in the same simulation so they can get together and scheme together to break
0: out. Well, well, it's not even... Well, the thing is, we're meant to believe Marisol's the only one who can reach them. Like, somehow, she's somehow special enough to pull this off.
2: I think it's because she's pregnant.
1: Oh, God.
0: Oh, and by the way, too, spoiler... She has the baby in five minutes in typical movie fashion, where she's in labor for five minutes, and so. then
2: she's totally fine walking around like it's not. It's, it's still not.
0: <laughs> it, nothing will ever be as bad as the birth of the Apocalypto. That <laughs> will still always be like the bellwether for me. Getting angry, just but no, the other part that's lazy too. I mean, the the whole idea behind the science of this is lazy and so thought out and we'll also get and I'll get to the like even just the production design of this place in a second but the whole way they just depict as you said like it's all so bright and colorful and it's like clearly you know like it's so not even get out is giving it too much credit it's like an even worse stepford wives and it's like you immediately know something's and it's like we get it we get I know patriotism is awful. Look, I've lived through the Trump presidency. You don't need to tell me this. Yeah. I I have to endure this. Like life is already a horror movie, man.
2: I know. I mean, if you can't bring anything to the party beyond uh the America treats immigrants with great brutality. But the but the, that's the thing though. Again, how do you catch up
0: with reality? And then look, I know it's not all the movies' fault. You know, like for example, like it's it's hard to knock down your mind out of your mind. For example, that the recent news of you know the women who were having hysterectomies done to them in like you know in these immigration centers. And of course, you know, again, this woman didn't know that. But then you know what? Come up with something that is like. Maybe not exactly that, but something that really does put the fear of God into people.
2: Well, Also, I think if the director was here, maybe she would say all the things that are stupid about the kind of world building of the sci-fi can be explained by the fact that one of the creators of this entire system has moral qualms about it. And so maybe she would try to say it's like Mads Mickelson sabotaging the Death Star. Even
0: yeah, you brought re- that up from, from Rogue One.
2: Even though in real life, a program like this would have like hundreds of people working on it. So the idea that one person could sabotage it. Um, oh, I love how, by the way, I love how your super woke movie turns on this idea of like, A white man feeling guilty about what he's doing Uh after he's already tortured a bunch of people. Yeah, don't you love that shit
0: (laughs) where, like, this guy has already been torturing these guys. And, you know, it's like we're meant to both suddenly believe, I don't know, man. And then Creed pops (laughs) up as lead scientist. I will say he was my favorite part of the movie.
1: He was a
2: cold glass of water in the desert. What is that actor's name? Creed Bratton is his name. Oh, okay. I forget that he actually seen Creed. Oh. I forgot. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's an actor. Yeah, Creed, Creed, Creed from the office is like the like the behind the scenes villain of this whole thing. I liked him. Like I thought he like brought actual gravitas to his character, and I did like just because I like her. This actress is in the movie Barbara Crampton. She's been in, like a lot of horror movies. She. Like, I could run it down a whole lot of different movies for you. Actually, you know what she was in? She had a small role in
2: Body Double. She played her one note well. Yeah. Like, I, I
0: wish, like... See, a better movie would have made her the main villain, maybe. Yeah. Like, what if, like... Like, what if the movie had her as, like, a character in the facility... And she was patterned into the, si- like the simulation or something, yeah, so. you know? Like, not just the, the other doc. Yeah, so... And then also, there's just the facility itself. It's like, see if you've heard this before. All the flickering lights, and it's really dirty and disgusting. And it's in, like, a cellar or basement or something. If, if you've
2: seen a Saw movie, it's basically... Thankfully, I did not stick with that series until the end. But if you ever see one of the, like, in the first Saw movie, that, like, dirty kill room where Carrie Elway's and the other guy are. Yeah. Um, Again, and it's cheap. What I said to you is, if this is a Pentagon-sponsored project, why aren't they in a nice lab? Our government spends $700 billion a year on its defense budget. If what they are doing now, has the stamp of approval of the US government, they should be in a nice facility. See, and I
0: actually, See, I don't even mind they're in a bad facility. I'm sorry to cut you off. Just give me better lighting.
2: <laughs> well, I think it undermines I think it undermines the message by making these people look like they're rogue agents in a dirty basement. If you want to make a statement about America, Show these people operating with the full force of America's power behind them. Show them in a nice, gleaming white hospital, swimming in money. Show them with all the money in the world as everyone else in America starves.
0: You see, I think the problem is this story, I think, would have been really great in like the early 60s. When, you know, as like a Twilight Zone episode, this episode, I think, actually would have played better, but it's all, but it's, you know, an hour and 20 minute or something movie. And it's, the idea is, it's also now today in the times we're in, you know, back then, the idea of the American dream isn't what it really is, man. I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's 20, like... 19, 2020. It was 2019 when this came Yeah. Out. You got to give me more than that. You just got to give me more. Yeah. And, you know, and give me a real message about like what immigrants think, like, do they only, are they like, what, why are they coming here? Like, this doesn't really answer that for me. Is it, we should just take it on faith. Like, oh, they want to work. They want better thing. Like, I don't think a character really expressed in like a way that was satisfying. Why are you coming to the U.S.? Yeah,
2: nobody has a personality in this movie. Yeah, like
0: that's a basic Except thing in Creed. screenwriting. Yeah. Give me a want or desire, you assholes. So yeah, don't don't watch this movie. Yeah, this was a my...
2: big letdown for me because and I it... had heard so much hype about how this is like mm. the crown jewel of the series. No, culture shock. Awful movie. And and it's like a and also the
0: violence isn't even that satisfying when you finally get to it. No. Like the horror part of it, like in that sense, isn't very good. This is like one of those This is like when I've seen certain I've a couple of times now, because I've watched the Academy Award nominated short films for the past several years. Uh-huh. This is like seeing one of those really lame shorts expanded and mutated yeah. into a bad Black Mirror episode.
2: <laughs> now let's go to, you want to go to the next movie to a good black mirror episode? Now, this was my, this was the first
0: tile that I chose to pick. Again, we were looking at the titles and I, I saw the premise of this and I thought,
2: Oh, that that looks kind of. You chose so much better than I did. Like it's not even close.
0: This. Well, no, you, 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 you chose. Okay. Some of them we'll get to one of the other ones soon. Um, this is called all that we destroy. Um, you know, even the title has a nice little sci-fi ring to it. And um, this is, uh, I'll I'll just, uh, again, I'll try to ball this up in the simplest way I can. It's, uh, you know, a kind of story of mother knows best <laughs> for her kid. And her kid happens to be a killer who she's trying to help protect by making clone after clone of... The woman that she killed so that he can presumably get his, you know, kill thing out of his system by reliving the kill that he did to her over and over. And uh, maybe it will take, maybe not. We'll have to see.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so this this movie really did feel like a black mirror episode the premise was black mirror there was even a type of technology used in this movie that was in an episode of black mirror that was visualized in the same way yeah when the mother in this has her virtual reality conversations with her husband Mm -hmm. and the father of her serial killer child yeah the, like, the little black dot she puts on the mm-hmm. side of her head and how her eyes go cloudy and white, uh-huh. that's from, aesthetically, that episode of Black Mirror where people can read each other's memories and they put this little dot on their head and then their eyes go white. Oh,
0: so, um, this is a little side note. Um, I just looked up the director of this. Her name's Chelsea Stewart. St- sorry, not start. St- Chelsea Stardust. Excuse me. Uh, she made that movie that we haven't watched yet called Satanic Panic.
2: Oh, yeah. That, it's on our Netflix queue to watch. But cool. this movie, the premise is Black Mirror. Aesthetically, it looks
0: Black Mirror. They even threw in a couple of actors who you maybe recognize from this or that thing, um, which is kind of cool. Which Black Mirror did that,
1: too.
2: Yeah, and I, I like this movie, actually, a good bit. Because... Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, it's a clever idea. Yeah, it's again, it's
0: small scale in the sense, like most of the, like almost all the movie, or at least I'd say a good 85% of it takes place at their house, or maybe in some locations sure. kind of nearby their their place. The, but the actual house itself, they, they chose a really good house and it has that feel that you need for hmm. this story. Um... And the, yeah, again, the premise is executed very well because they focus on, you know, mom and son and then the two women in his life, which are the woman that keeps coming back over and over again. And the new woman, new girl that he kind of comes across one day when he's just walking around and just for some reason just has a thing for him, even though his eyes say... Like, I'm I'm crazy.
2: Yeah, my one... <sighs> now, in order to fully appreciate this movie, you have to accept the fact that Killer Son's victims both drink tall glasses of moron juice. Um, yeah, well, no, not so much the first one.
0: I mean, when you find out her backstory, I mean, well, she, like, she was in that situation for the most part, just, I mean she's like she basically like what happened was okay this uh, this woman or er, the actress is uh she ned nielsen i think uh i don't know what, what was her what was her name ashley or taylor it was ashley right uh yes oh sorry i was mistaking that sorry no ashley. A- ashley's played by aurora perrineau and i wonder if she's related to harold perrineau that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah, his daughter. Um, she, like, what happens is she, like, gets kicked out of, like, a tr- like a truck. She's with a guy, and she gets kicked out in the middle of what seems like nowhere. And yet, um, you know, our plucky hero, uh, excuse me, killer, uh, Spencer, played by Israel Broussard, he sees her and, you know, offers to help her out. You know, because she doesn't have a phone.
2: The reason why I said she drinks a tall glass of moron juice is because... Now, we learn that she's a criminal. And so I think Mm. the reason why her personality... Basically, she's super abrasive and sassy and smart-mouthed to this guy, Spencer, when she's at his mercy and depending on his help. So that's why I said I think this character's an idiot. Because... She's abandoned by, I guess, her boyfriend slash criminal conspirator in the desert. She encounters another man. She's stranded in the desert. She's no money. She's no phone. And automatically, she starts throwing out like abrasive one liners and saying like, "Give me your jacket." And stuff yeah, no, like
0: no, no, that. no. That that part, yeah, that part isn't quite. So
2: fine. I also think the reason why they did this, why they made her so. Um, kind of arbitrarily and implausibly obnoxious was to highlight the difference between her real personality and the blank cipher that is the clone. Yeah. Because I- the issue with the clones is that he doesn't get the same thrill out of killing the clones because they don't have real human personality.
0: Yeah, and, and the sort of running, the sort of thing that develops in the story and why, again, this works really well you know, as an unfolding narrative is because the mother realizes, oh, wait, I need to actually kind of sequester the, you know, clone and kind of try to build her up a little bit more. Uh, in that sense, it almost has also maybe slightly, now I'm thinking about it, maybe a little bit of like Orphan Black. Yeah, I saw a lot. Uh, Yeah, and also I should mention too, again, the two actors that you might recognize when you watch this, um, the mother is played by uh, Samantha Mathis, who, of course, you know, I grew up with because she was Daisy in Super Mario Brothers. But she's been in, like, a ton of movies, like American President, Pump Up the Volume, uh, uh, Fern Gully, American Psycho. Oh, she's in Little Women. The 94 Little Women. Oh,
2: where she was the bland adult Amy. She's not (laughs) very good in the 94 (laughs) Little
0: Women. She was fine in that. She's bland.
2: She doesn't hold a candle to Kirsten Dunn.
0: And then uh, Frank Whaley is... um, a gentleman who Samantha Mathis keeps visiting to kind of talk about he's you the, know, father. the progress. Yeah. She's the father. You don't find that out immediately, but yeah, he's dad who's away. Um, and you know, about the progress or lack of, or of. and the other element that's kind of interesting too, in this is that he keeps drawing, um, the woman. And that of course then leaves sort of, you know, you could say that he's kind of an idiot for doing that, too. I guess he's following his muse, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, again, it's a gimmick, but I thought it was fine. Um,
2: so one of the big moral dilemmas in this movie is Mommy Dearest keeps making him the clones to kill. But then he falls for, and by falls for, I mean, like, urge to kill Rising. Yeah. his a neighbor girl yeah. who's... Now, her character is also, like, a bit hard to swallow because she comes on so strong. Yeah,
0: she, like, doesn't seem to notice, like, the look in his eyes, which says, um, I'm going to do things to you. Like, you know what this guy is? This guy is, like, a better acting version of Edward of Twilight. (sighs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you thought, uh,
0: there's only one Edward, Corey.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. No, you don't see a little bit of that. Um, a tiny bit. A little, in that yeah. When he's looking like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I <laughs> like, it's like a much, obviously much, much better version of that. Um, yeah. So there's, there's that. And then when you actually get to, there's real suspense in the movie, though. Because you yeah. wonder when is he going to pop off next? In that sense, too, there may be a little bit of DNA of you
2: in there. Yes, I definitely got you energy. We're talking about the TV show.
0: Yeah, so there's a touch of that, too. So there are lots of good things in this. And again, that's it's like a well-executed version of a Black Mirror episode, but that's meant this time as a compliment, unlike in, you know, Culture Shock. In this case, they, the filmmakers pulled off, and they... Actually, you know, tried to give some thought to a premise which does have, you know, a message that they execute well, which is, you know, your privileged white boy, it sucks, but what about the overprotective mothers?
2: <laughs> so, yeah, we both like this movie a good bit, and it might be near the top of our rankings.
0: We'll have, you have to listen more to find out. Um, have to wait and see. Next up is Puka Lives. Which, um, why don't you tell the listeners why you picked this one?
2: Because I saw that Rachel Bloom was in it. And I love Rachel Bloom. We love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And what happens in the first scene of this movie? Rachel Bloom kills herself. <laughs> <laughs> I picked this movie. We didn't even watch the original Pooka.
0: No, see, but I, I had seen a review again, Red Lair Mew, that was one of the ones they reviewed, the first Puka. And it's funny we didn't watch that one, because the first Pooka, I think, is the one movie in this series that was by, like, a real director. <laughs> he was, like, the guy who made that movie Colossal, and he made a bunch a bunch of other movies that I really liked. So, um, yeah.
2: I wanted some sweet, sweet Rachel Bloom, and she's in, like, two minutes of the movie. Now, that's
0: not to say, again, and she's great in her scene, and I think Will Wheaton is in her scene too. Now, it isn't to say there are some other actors you might recognize in uh, the rest of this as well. Um, It's basically the premise is again, Puka is this kind of made up character who I guess now is their, again, their kind of franchise character that these, again, you don't need to see the first Puka to see this new one though, Mm -hmm. which is, again, the nice thing about, even though. It streams, it's called Puka Lives, and it doesn't have anything to do with the first movie. But anyway, this is, like, uh, about a guy that work, who, who tries to work as kind of like a blogger and a writer. He's not really getting anywhere with what he's trying to do. He actually is being made fun of because he, I, I guess, is not... I forget what his he reputation is. He wrote a is. book
2: about, like internet personalities oh. and one of the internet personalities, this guy named Jack, didn't like the content of yeah. the book, so he sicked his like army of YouTube followers. Yeah, and when they ruin his life.
0: yeah when they clicked and when they show him he's you know the most obnoxious type of white guy, YouTuber you could think of who isn't one of the Paul brothers. Ah. Um and so what he and his friends decide to do one night is come up with a version of what they call creepy pasta, yeah. which, you know, is like the slender man. You come up with a, a gimmicky, uh, you know, haunted character sort of st- thing to do with your story. In this case, it be, it's almost like a challenge yeah. where you lick some ashes, put on this Puka mask. Cause Puka is like kind of like a demented, like teddy bear with these big eyes. And then you do this little dance in a circle and say a a chant. And then it's supposed to be like, is Puka going to show up? But then, as it turns out, this might be a mild spoiler, but I don't care. The internet creates a monster. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, literally, guys, the monster comes from the dissemination that's yeah,
2: like the, actually, that's the theme of this, dissemination. They actually, they actually tie it to um, a particular type of spirit and the we call a topa or like a tupa or something.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, there is obviously in the real world, there were people who did, you know, young people who killed people over Slenderman. They didn't kill that
2: girl. They tried, but she survived. Oh,
0: really? I thought someone did die from the Slenderman no. thing.
2: I know, I actually, I just watched the documentary on HBO, Beware of Slenderman.
0: Oh, so okay. they
2: stabbed that girl a bunch of times, but somehow she lived, thankfully.
0: Okay, well, but again, that now has led to a rash of different Slenderman-type movies. Not and This isn't the, like, Slenderman movie, but it's like that in a way. I, I guess the tone of this is trying to be a little bit more comedic. What I would say is this movie was okay, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was just fine. Yeah,
2: it was the essence of,
0: uh okay. I, it has, again, it has its, like, satirical eye in the right place. And, you know, I think that idea of, you know, the internet does suck in so many ways. The way that Twitter and Reddit and so many of these different platforms will amplify crap you know, it's especially the, the stuff that's really harmful. You know, I mean, QAnon is kind of creating kind of monsters every day, <laughs> to, 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 for lack of a better term. Um, but they... I think the movie is, I think the problem is, I think at times it wants to be more of a comedy. And it's not that funny. Yeah. It's only intermittently funny. The movie also features these actors, Jonah Ray and Felicia Day, who you've seen in some other things, possibly.
2: Um, Oh, God. The constant, like, quote, unquote, humorous asides about the state of their marriage. Not funny. Jo- yeah. In John Mulaney voice, not funny.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. That's no. You're that's John Mulaney as it's Mick Jagger. Jagger. Yeah. Not funny. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you know. Eventually, I mean, you do get some pretty you know nifty you know like kill type sequences. In a sense, you could say this is an like a slasher, but it's. More in, like, the meta side of it, uh, but maybe, you know, in a modern kind of take. Um, I think it's also because, too, when they show the Puka monster, it's like he looked okay, but I wish he looked a little better. It seemed like they put him in a lot of shadow to try to make him look, you know, scary. Uh, but he, I don't know, I, I don't know if they were trying to hide Like that they didn't have maybe much of a budget to put into him. Well, they until near the end.
2: They changed the design of Puka in Puka Lives because the idea is once people on the internet start memeing Puka, Mm -hmm. it actually changes how he looks. I preferred the look of original Puka, not like meme changed. Yeah, so I wish it
0: had been funnier or scarier. Like again, like I wish that maybe you know, Drew Goddard or Josh Whedon and maybe had a pass at the script or something. I guess, you know, can't really afford them. <laughs> uh, you know, they didn't really have a free weekend. So again, th- this is fine. Again, if you saw the first Puka, you could watch this, even if you didn't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily rush to watch it unless if you're really intent on digging into the, into the dark series, and just like the idea behind it enough. Like, the lead actor, I thought, actually was okay, too. Like, he wasn't... I thought he brought enough presence and likability. Like, he wasn't, you know, someone who I thought was that much of a douche. Like, he does some bad, like, kind of crappy things to his, like, would-be girlfriend.
2: Yeah, but no, I think we are supposed to have sympathy for him. This is the eh, okayish movie ever.
0: Like, again, I wish that maybe, uh, you know... As with all things, could have used a lot more Rachel Bloom.
2: I was promised Rachel Bloom. That's why I watched the movie.
0: Well, you know, you should look at the cast list. If she's not number one, maybe that's a clue.
2: I know. I should have. Ex- I should have expected it. <laughs>
0: Honestly, they yeah, they should have given her like a subplot or something where they show like her because she's the one again who creates. Yeah, she's the creator of Puka. You would think that that. Maybe it would be, you know, hopefully, maybe someday they go back to that and maybe can bring her back in. But maybe there's not much else they can do with her. Yeah. I don't know. Um, all right. So that's enough on Puka. Now we get to a movie that reminded me of a song by this band 311, which, again, is, yeah, very 90s. And you had no idea who 311 was.
2: I had heard the name. I just didn't recognize Did the you, song.
0: Oh, be honest, you thought it was a shoe brand.
2: <laughs> no,
0: I it sounds like a, a it, it sounds like a brand that you would find at the Vans store.
2: I know they were a band.
0: Is, is Tony Hawk wearing the three elevens this week? I don't know.
2: I just when you played me. They're two like supposed big hits. They didn't sound familiar to me, but I heard the name. They they're,
0: they have the kind of songs that they both feature record scratches, <laughs> 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 and they're very white guys doing the songs. But I enjoyed them. But one of their songs is called Down, and so when I saw the title, I was like, "Dig <laughs> a lot of things goes up or the ocean, down, down." All right, so this one, um, I, you know, well. And I don't know if you should talk about this first or if I should. Um,
2: all right, well, just going to show that that vulture list is trash and I should not have paid any attention to it. This movie Down was the absolute last movie on that vulture list. They said it was the worst movie out of all of them.
0: Yeah, and see, the problem was this was written, these were written by, like, super critique artists, you know? Yeah. It's written by like Vincent Camby of the New York Times. Is on. Is Ultra. that a real
2: person? Yeah, <laughs> used
0: to be a critic. I don't know. So he was kind of a snooty guy. I remember.
2: The premise of mm-hmm. the movie Down is pretty simple. It's Friday the Thirteenth, February Thirteenth, and. Two characters get in an elevator. They're leaving. It's a Friday night. It's a holiday weekend. You got Valentine's Day on Saturday, and you got President's Day on Monday. So when these people are leaving, Mm -hmm. um, the building, we're told, is going to be empty until Tuesday morning. And the elevator gets stuck. And a variety of dramatic things ensue.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to, to set it off with that. And the two and the two characters are Jennifer and Guy. Uh, of course, he's not really named Guy or Guy. Or Guy. Um, and they're played by Natalie Martinez and uh, Matt Loria. Who um, Matt
2: Loria, I actually recognize because he was on the show Parenthood in a supporting role.
0: Oh, okay. And, well, the Natalie Martinez, I actually haven't, seen this movie, she apparently was one of the leads of the Death Race remake.
2: And you mentioned and she looked like AO
0: Oh my god. I'm asking anyone who watches this movie or just pulls up a still from it. Again, I know she again she's she is an established actress. I'm not saying she was cast only because of that but i'm saying i think it's more than just a coincidence in this movie the way that she's made up and the clothes that she's uh, that the costume designer gave her uh, and like even part of like her the way she's acting she reminds me of AOC yeah. and i think it, i don't know it might have been just an idea that the director had or the casting agent had and it's never spoken about it's never like something like the the actor like the guy whose name guy doesn't say like, you look like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. But I just read into that. It was like, it's, it's the kind of thing that like, where um, sometimes people read into a thing in the movie, like, and it has no bearing. It's like when I remember like my mom saw Django Unchained at the very end of the movie, like Django's doing like this thing with his horse. Yeah. And my mom thought it was like a reference to like, Something with Mitt Romney and his horses at the time? Oh, the, or the
2: dressage. that he, Mitt Romney's wife, Anne Romney, competed in this fancy horse dancing sport, quote-unquote, <laughs> called dressage, I think. Oh, pronounce.
0: God, I didn't even remember that. I just remembered she... Like, my, mo- my mom saw the movie and thought, like, Tarantino was doing a, a crack at... Mitt Romney's wife, and I'm like, I don't think
2: so. So I am not a millionaire, so I don't know much about the fancy horse dancing. (laughs) But that's the point of dress up. Okay, so I've gone on this rant, but the
0: point is that I think, but her casting is very good because you, I immediately bought her as like she can. I somehow just get the sense she'll be able to hold her own. She has real attitude. She has good charisma. And connects well with this other actor, Matt, again, this guy who,
1: yeah.
0: uh, Matt, Matt Lauria, who, at first, I wasn't that impressed with him. I mm-hmm. thought, like, oh, this is another, like, you know, hunky, like, hunk of meat kind of actor. But eventually, as the story unfolds, and you find out more about him, I actually thought, like, okay, no, this guy is actually bringing it. Yeah. Sometimes he brings a little too much of it <laughs> for me, but... So, yeah, so it's, it like, I I think I know why you might have liked this the most. This feels the most uh, like a Lifetime movie.
2: This was tailor-made for me. This movie was designed to cater to my interests, my wants and needs in a film. I love... (laughs) I love movies about stalkers. It's a thing of mine. I don't know why, but I'm actually obsessed with movies about stalkers.
0: Are you, are you still waiting for a stalk by my podiatrist?
2: <laughs> there is literally nothing more than I that I like. Stalked by my tax accountant? Actually, that happens in real life. I am a sucker for Literally, all you have to do is put stalking in a movie, and like I automatically like it.
0: (laughs) Stalked by my celery? (laughs) Get
2: it? Now,
0: Uh, come on. That that was a good one.
2: In the beginning of this movie, I knew like a basic synopsis of the plot um, because I had read this review of it, like this kind of like paragraph long review on Vulture. And I knew that relatively early on in the movie, these characters were going to fuck in the elevator. And I was wondering, even before we sat down to watch the movie, how are they going to make this seem plausible that these strangers have stepped in the elevator?
0: They almost got there for me. They didn't quite get there. But it's like, I appreciate the effort
2: but i do think they got there like 90%. And i yeah. do think the characters actually had good chemistry during their banter part. Well,
0: i don't know. Well, it's not so much like they had some good banter. I don't think i bought the the last hump that they need to get to. Yeah. And how they try to explain it like i bought i can understand how he was trying to sell mm. his like you know trying to kind of lay out that he was attract enough to her to go into that like sexy time mode I didn't quite buy that she would make the jump like again we're supposed to believe that she is trying to make a flight to get back to another city to get back with her ex-fiance to try to appeal back to her ex-fiance and I would think that somebody in that frame of mind you know they might flirt with another guy but Going all the way to like a home run, you know, like maybe like just like they. But the problem is visually, I guess, you know the problem is in this kind of movie. You, I guess, you have to go there. Like in to me, I guess in my head, I'm like it wouldn't just be like a hand job or something like that, or
2: they wouldn't just make out a little bit. But no, they go full down to Bone Town in that elevator. Yeah, and I, then- I, I will
0: say. That was at least... I'm glad at least I saw something like that unlike the other, like, lifetime piece of shit we saw um, over the summer, that Fatal Affair movie.
2: Yeah, where the character doesn't even cheat. Yeah, note to Netflix. All your quote-unquote exploitation movies suck because they're made for 10-year-olds.
0: Yeah. Now, th- let's say, though, Now again, af- right after that happens, that's also when, it like, the guy can't... Guy, literally, again, can't help himself but reveal everything about what he's really been doing.
2: Yeah, and it turns out that he's been obsessed with her from afar, he's been stalking her, he's really a security guard named John in the building, and because he's a security guard, he has a key to the elevator. So, the elevator is stalled because he stalled it to make his Mm -hmm. move, and... He loves her and wants to. And what happens is, after they're done, like, when they're, like, at the conclusion of their sexing, he says something to her, like, I could fall in love with you. And she literally hops off his dick and, like, to the other side of the elevator. And then she starts saying, like, no, let's just be friends, man. Yeah,
0: it's like, again... Guy has no game. Guy, you have no game. (laughs) I actually said that to the movie. (laughs) Like, you know.
2: (laughs) But then when he reveals himself to her, she freaks out. And in her freak out, they get stalled in the elevator for real.
0: Yeah, it's like a, you know, uh, know, one of those movie coincidences where the key gets, you know, caught in the and snapped off in the thing. Mm And now they're trapped there for days in, what you know, what, when, who's going to get them. Um, and then, you know, things unfold from there. I think part of my issue, though, with the movie is what this compared it, what compares to. Did
2: we bring up P2? No, we did not mention P2 yet.
0: Okay, because there is a movie that, Corey and I re- watched this movie e- earlier this year. Um, that's actually on, I hope it's still on Prime. That's called, and it's just the letter P... And the number two. It's just called P2. And it has very much the same premise, only uh, don't, they don't have sex. Um, and it's, I forget the actress's name now. Like she's off the top of my, to my tongue. But the security guard is Wes Bentley.
2: Who gives an amazing performance.
0: It, he, it's like you thought he blew, you know, you thought he was mind blowing in American Beauty. No, this is the opposite. He goes Nicolas Cage, and... This
2: will go down as Wes Bentley's greatest work, and... <laughs> I don't care if he made the movie just to fuel his heroin addiction.
0: Uh, it's like, he he's like, but I was in all these Hunger Games movies, and I was perfectly normal.
2: You are right, in the sense that this movie... Isn't as good as P2 and feels kind of like a P2 knockoff. And well the problem for
0: me is that in P2, I mean that's not saying that's like that's a great movie or anything, but it was really like top-level exploitation trash. And this is also this is fun trash too, but the characters in this are just like they eventually become so dumb. So dumb. So, so, they, they so dumb. They make so dumb. like it's the, the the decisions the guy that guy makes. And you know, and they try at times. They try to escape, or he she tries to get away from him. And just the way that she reveals certain things to him, and then the threat of a cigar lighter that becomes like
2: okay. Chekhov's cigar lighter. Oh yeah, both these characters are super idiots. So once Guy reveals his sinister intentions to Jennifer. Jennifer immediately starts getting confrontational with him. This moron never stops and thinks, wait a minute, I'm trapped in a small confined space with someone who can physically overpower me, who has just confessed that he's been stalking me for months. You know, any woman with an ounce of self-preservation instincts would play it cool, make nice, soothe his ego... Not mm-hmm. her. She's mouthing off. Yeah. Like the
0: yeah, and she even says, like, I'm going to call the cops. So of course he starts slapping her around the elevator. And then like when she tries to say, like, I'm I'm just gonna go and try to escape out of the and like, how do I believe you now? And like And
2: then he does believe her. And then later in the movie, when they're trying to escape the elevator, he actually trusts her to, like, go get help, and then she gives him the finger, and of course he
0: flips out and finds a way to get out of the elevator go after her, and again, lots of extremely dumb twists, uh, but, again, it, it's a very much a turn-off-your-brain, as the cliche goes, turn-off-your-brain-and-you-might-and-you'll-enjoy-it.
2: However, it. this movie has, if you can get over the fact that both the characters are incredibly stupid and their relationship to each other is quite (laughs) contrived. So so do you mean like basic character work
0: (laughs) and competent writing?
2: Yeah. I don't care about that. Here's what I care about, though. My one critique of this movie. Oh, one critique. Okay. All right. So (laughs) there's, there's multiple references to cigars and cigar cutters in this film. At one point, Jennifer threatens to cut Guy's dick off with a cigar cutter. Yes. And she doesn't do it. Again, I didn't really think that she would. But I really wanted her to. And I'm really irritated that this movie teased me with a dick shop and didn't deliver.
0: Yeah. Again, I still, for me, as I said earlier, I just, it's just, I I never quite bought that she would go like, all the way with him even though again it still works visually in the movie because they kind of frankly just they look good as like a you know couple sexing on screen i guess it's a very shallow point yeah. but it's kind of nice to see that um but yeah i just uh, but, but aside from that like again when it eventually unfolds like that it's it still works well Um, Yeah, the very ending is pretty satisfying. Yeah, it's a good ending. In a trashy way. So again, I I think that this is fine.
2: You gotta be a trash panda like me to appreciate it, though. Like, I have to warn the people. If you actually like well-written movies with intelligent, consistently written characters, do not watch this movie.
0: Should we change your name on the podcast from Wifely Duties, Cory, to Trash Panda Cory?
2: Yes! I would love to be Trash Panda Cory from now on. (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: I am a trash panda. I feel
0: bad.
2: But...
0: You you like good stuff.
2: If you're like me and you really like sleazy exploitation movies with dumb characters abusing each other stupidly, uh, which is a thing that I really enjoy in my cinema, then you will like this. (laughs) Corey, I'm not going to be ignored! (laughs) However... I want that dick shot. <laughs> so she should have cut that dick off, held it in her hand, and done like a football touchdown dance with it. If she had done that, this would be a five star movie. Um,
0: Just so if it had like a moment out of like Black Dynamite.
2: <laughs> yes, this movie needed some Black Dynamite All energy. Right. Although, you are correct, P2 is a superior execution of a similar concept. Uh, Now, I actually do think P2 is a great American cinema. (laughs) Um.
0: (laughs) Well, we do have a scene where Wes Bentley was uh, (laughs) dancing with a giant bear to Elvis's Blue Christmas. and Oh, by the way, that was another thing P2 used its holiday a little bit better, too.
2: Yes, and you know how I mentioned how school spirit didn't have enough, like, chasing and cat and mouse? P2 is tons of cat and mouse. Thinking back, it's like,
0: what goddamn holiday was in school spirit? I can't think of it.
2: It's like the opening of school is treated as a holiday. It's not! No, like, it's not. How about,
0: like, what, like
2: Labor Day? And if you stop and think about it for a second, it's ridiculous you would have detention in, like, the first weekend of school.
0: Yeah, that's a weird thing, too. Like,
2: yeah, what do you get into in the first
0: week of school? That's just, like, like, no, just no, don't do that. Like, how about, like, make a Columbus Day? Make, like, the good version of The Sopranos episode. (laughs) Okay, so now we're going to move on to our final movie. This was another one that I chose um, because I... None, I saw the premise, but I also saw the lead actor uh, and I thought, or the lead star in this and I thought, okay she's a reason I want to watch this especially, it's a movie called Good Boy and um, Good Boy, as you can imagine, is about a very good boy. Well, <laughs> not really um, Oh, G- I think
2: Ruben is a good boy.
0: Okay, well, gee, <laughs> Good Ruben. Ruben does some, you know, Ruben does some good things and some questionable things. Um, Although, you know, maybe Ruben is neutral, but we'll see. Um, Judy Greer is the star of this. And Judy Greer, you've seen her in dozens of things. Always. She's kind of like the ultimate always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Yeah. (laughs) Like, because she's in so many movies. You know, she was in Jawbreaker. Yes, I do. Jawbreaker, What Women Want. I'm just looking at some of the tiles here. The Village, The Descendants. She
2: was also in Arrested development.
0: Jurassic World, the Planet of the Apes movies, adaptation. But yeah,
2: she had a major role in Jawbreaker. I forgot. A about movie that. very close to my heart, even though it's not close to yours.
0: Yeah. Oh god, and she's in Pottersville.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: didn't we talk didn't we talk about that off mic when we were watching it?
2: Yes, we did.
0: Okay. Um that's a holiday theme movie. No one should ever watch, no. but she works. Uh, she's um, her main thing is she's kind of by herself, you know, trying to have a baby. You know, it's not really getting work. Uh, she's not really happening. Her job is fledgling because, you know, it's writing for a newspaper and it goes all digital, um, small town or a relatively small town. And so, but then like her boss gives her an idea, you know, you're going to be walk- working from home. You should get a dog. And so she goes to the pound, you know, a dog is, she foot, seems like a, a dog amongst all the other, you know, big growling mutts. This little cute dog is just sitting there and, you know, perks up Me, its little so face cute. and comes over to her. It's a, it's a pretty cute dog. And be, and she brings the dog home, doesn't really have a name yet, when she, she's trying to eat a Reuben sandwich. And she looks away for one second and suddenly the Reuben's gone. So hence she, the dog gets the name.
1: <laughs>
0: You're now Reuben, uh, named after the painter. No, the sandwich.
1: <laughs>
0: that was uh, That's like an old. That's a Woody <laughs> Allen joke. Um, that is the Woody Allen
2: joke. That is the worst <laughs> Woody Allen joke I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, actually, the the joke really went like, you know, I bought I bought my first Rubens from that place. Oh, the <laughs> painter. No, the sandwich. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so she has this dog and, you know, she's still trying to, again, get pregnant. She's on fertility treatments. You know, she's trying to also find a, you know, a man who might, you know, become the one and strange things become afoot with other characters and Ruben who seem to be disappearing sometimes in very bloody ways. Um, So that's the movie.
2: Ruben kills everyone that makes Judy Greer anxious. This is basically
0: the movie White Dog, but if there wasn't a race component to it, yeah. if it was just like instead of like black people triggering me and I have to kill them all because I've been programmed that way, I just get triggered if my owner gets, says I'm getting anxious. And off screen, most of the time, becomes crazy mangy dog.
2: Yeah, because Reuben is a cute little dog, so you couldn't plausibly show a cute little dog like that actually killing people.
0: See, the thing is, I was thinking about this, and um, there was a movie that I was trying to remember the name of it. This was another movie I saw uh, this year. It was either called The Uninvited or... um, I don't know if you remember this uninvited. I was, Oh, it's yeah. It's called uninvited. There's this movie from the late eighties. I don't know if you're watching this. I was watching this movie some months back. I think it was restored by vinegar syndrome. That's called uninvited. It involves like this killer cat. And, but the house, it's like a cat that has this virus where, like, a little a little cat inside yes, of it I did watch pops that out and kills it. Yes, that and, was so cool. Yeah, I wish that maybe they had a dog puppet like that <laughs> in the movie. Um, That's my one critique of the film, really. They don't have enough of the mutant killer dog Yeah, you don't
2: get to, you don't really see the dog killing people, and there's not enough dog puppet that is 100 percent. yeah they
0: need to have the big bad bugged out form of reuben and you know the thing is there are times where they cut away from him you know they show him off screen like point of view like starting to get angry and making dog sounds or then suddenly characters in a room and be like huh, what's that sound that's weird oh my god then camera cuts away and you can only do that so many times before it's less of an artistic choice and more of, we just didn't have the budget. We gave it all to Judy Greer.
1: <laughs>
0: but money well spent. Because
2: she's excellent in it.
0: Yeah, this is where, again, Judy Greer doesn't get many leading parts. And she really digs into this with everything she's got. She gets to do it all as an actress. She's playing someone who has a real want, which is not, like, what we saw in Culture Shock. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if they had this ranked in the Vulture list. But yeah,
2: they ranked it, out of the 22, they ranked it, like, 14 or 15 around.
0: It's a little too low. Again,
2: this list was total trash. You should, you, I'm going to use it in, like, reverse
0: order. Yeah. They're also, um, so she's, like, again, great in this. Like, she's actually very and she's very dramatic like you feel for her like when she goes to this range of emotions and has like a real arc with reuben because obviously at first she's really horrified by what the dog's doing but then kind of grows to like it when reuben starts going after the people in her life who are really doing her wrong um one of those by the way steve gutenberg
2: who is excellent in this. <laughs> yeah,
0: he, he plays, like, her sleazy boss and, act- and does, like, quite a good job at it. Um, it it's strange to say sleazy and Steve Gutenberg in the same sentence, but here we are in 2020. Um, also, the actress who played Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim is in this. Who's also in Ellen, Glow. Ellen Wong. Yeah, she. I forgot her in Glow. R.I.P. Glow. R.I.P. Glow. Probably
2: my favorite Netflix original show.
0: Respect. Um... She plays a friend who's... Uh, and she's quite good in it. I also liked her boyfriend. This actor's named McKinley Freeman. Um, Did you recognize him, though? I liked him, no, but I didn't
2: recognize him from anything.
0: No, he, like uh, like Natalie Mar- Martinez, is another actor from that Jake Hall movie, End of Watch.
2: Which okay. Haven't
0: seen. So, again, there's a lot, there's, if you Again, this is... I, I wanted to just watch this because I thought Judy Greer plus Killer Dog you know, sign me up that's yeah. my that's my kind of trash like i want to just see like a really good actress with some you know decent material that she can play with and if you throw in a cute dog you know it's uh in a way this is almost like the opposite of like john wick
1: uh-huh. where
0: like character <laughs> character acquires a cute dog but instead of you know, the car- you know, the dog being killed off early on and he has to get his revenge. This is where like not only does the dog not die, it's quite the opposite. The dog kills everyone else. <laughs> and now the character's like, What do I do with this? Um,
2: yeah, so I actually thought this was a better kind of horror comedy than Puka Lives, because I thought this was actually funnier when it was trying to be funny. It, yeah, it actually, had a cl- it
0: had a clever script. It gave its actors good material to play off of each other.
2: And Judy Greer's angst about like loneliness and desperation of a kid played a lot better than the marital angst in Pooka Lips.
0: And also, then when she is on these fertility drugs, the doctor tells her, you know, you're going to have personality swings and mood swings. And she can play into that too in the movie, so I I was a I was a a fan of this movie for sure. Um, Again, not you know not flawless. Again, I wish this is one of those times where I wish Jason Blum had like looked at you know cut the movie and said, okay, let's go back and add a few more scenes of you know killer dog action. Like I wish that because that I think has happened occasionally in horror movies where. Sometimes they'll see something and say, like, let's put in a little bit more gore. Like, I think that happened with Halloween uh, 2. The, the one from the, the 80s. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, because you can't go wrong with... But I mean, like, a model. Like, not CGI. Like, if you had, like, a really gnarly, like, killer dog
2: puppet. Yes. You know. That was the that's my comparison to that movie we watched
1: Yeah. earlier.
2: And I also wish the movie it ended with Judy Greer not getting caught and her and Reuben just riding off into the sunset ready to kill more people yeah it has
0: that it has a slightly predictable ending where once again dog's back at the dog pound new owner comes around you know new owner comes in and is told like oh yeah the person who had the dog before went to jail
2: which I said actually was a nice payoff because when Judy Greer goes to the pound to pick up Reuben, she's told the prior owner is in prison. And as the member of the audience, you kind of blow that off until the end of the movie. And you're like, Oh, wait a minute.
0: Yeah. See, if I were Judy Greer, I would have been smart and just sicked her on mailman. <laughs> actually, no, that's not fair. Mailmen are heroes. They are,
2: especially now. Exactly. Heroes.
0: Yeah. So that's not fair. no, no, go go. No, go after the State Department, or you know, or the you know Pompeo people or whatever. Um, all right, so we've spent a lot of time, probably more than anyone else I could think of in podcasting talking about a, a section of these movies.
2: I'm gonna watch more of these. Probably by myself, because I think you're ready to pack it in.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, if I if you tell me something that is really, like, mind-blowingly good, like, as good as, uh, you know, as good as the clone one, uh, then, you know, maybe I'll check it out. Again, what I would say about these movies is that, again, if you are, you know, somehow, again, right now in the COVID times, it's hard to... Have a viewing party with a lot of people. Somehow you could organize it over your Zoom or hang online hangout or whatever. But when the time is safe and you can have friends together, you know if you can if you think uh, you looking over these and think two or three of them look like fun, pop them on. Yeah. As long as it's not culture shock. That, that, will, that will bring down the party bigger than a Led Zeppelin. The
2: reviews are a lie. Uh-huh. So we were going to rank the movies that we watched. Yeah. Your ranking will have six movies. My ranking will have seven, because I will include pure. Yeah,
0: so should and we I, go from bottom to top?
2: Yeah, so let's go from bottom to top. And we apologize in advance that our lists are too similar, but we just can't help it. We just have similar tastes. For
0: the again, I... I'm more are you I'm more of a dignified person. I'm yeah, the one who studied Antonioni in college. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I, I'm holding up my pinky like this.
2: <laughs> I read your paper on Antonioni in college.
0: Yeah, I, you know it's funny, yeah. I make a joke. I did really write a fucking paper on Antonio.
2: And I read it. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> okay. Uh, from the bottom to the top. So number one number six is culture shock.
2: For me, my number yeah. seven culture shock.
0: This movie sucks. Oh, so we're going one after another. Yeah. Okay. Number five is Puka Lives.
2: For me, my number six Pure. Oh, really? Second the worst, huh? Yeah. Pure. Well, because again, there's it's just a lot of it's just really boring. Okay. Number four, School Spirit. My number five is Puka Lives, and for me. Five, six, and seven are the movies that are kind of like meh. That I probably wouldn't recommend you rush to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I said number five is is my is yeah. too. Okay. Number three is down.
2: My number four is School of Spirit, and do, should I just do my number three? So we're like
1: even. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. My number three is All That We Destroy. Wow. Number
0: three. Okay. Uh, number two is Good Boy.
2: My number two is good boy.
0: Good, okay, number two. And my number one is all that we destroy.
2: My number one is down.
0: Mm, poke, poke. So yeah, poke.
2: um, just because I so yeah, my list from worst to best, just so we're clear. Culture shock, pure, puka lives, school of spirit, um all that we destroy, Good Boy, and Down. It was really hard for me to choose between the ranking of mm-hmm. number two and number three. Good Boy and All That We Destroy were very close together.
0: Yeah, and again, it's not like we're saying like these are you know anything spectacular. Again, you're not getting you know, uh, uh, you know the the cream of the crop, uh, five star restaurant, or even you know like you know this might this. I would say the best of these is like going to Outback and the worst of these is you know like biting into that bad strawberry that you got from ShopRite <laughs> which has happened. Um but again, it, it's the Halloween season. If you want if you're on, on Hulu and you know, you think that like something like The Nightingale is too Heavy for you. <laughs>
2: it's or... funny. I have had the nightingale on our queue for months. I know. No,
0: week, I have too. But I'm just never in the I mood know. to watch it, Well, again, I, you know, y- you, you, you. I, t- I just see the news and it's like, oh, uh... maybe <laughs> in 2021, maybe when we have some brighter days ahead. God willing. Um, so if anybody out there is by chance seen. Um, any of these movies somehow. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, unless if you're a big Judy Greer, Samantha Mathis fan, um, or an not, Ali or not Martinez fan. Um, you, you know, send us an email, gmail.com. Uh When we get them, we love to get your emails. They have as often as you like, but try to do it. We, we love it. Um, we're also on Twitter and Facebook, uh, on Instagram, and... Um, I think that's about it. We're not on Reddit because I'm not on Reddit, so I don't care. Um, So when we come back next time, maybe we'll have another nice big fat chunk of movies like this. Maybe we'll just review one movie. Who knows? Um, Anything else you want to say to our listeners?
2: No, but I'm just really glad to be rechristened Trash Pandacory.
0: Yeah, I'll have to remember that till next time. Yeah, for the Ways of Cinema,
2: I'm Jack. I am Trash Panda Corey. and the wages of cinema is hugs. spooked hugs. You,
1: <laughs>
0: you have to be a double jointed <laughs> Hungarian.
1: I'm doing that thing with my fingers, like <laughs> Martin Landau, Edwin. All right, good night, everybody.